Welcome, everyone. You are listening to Truth in Christ Radio, the Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. Whether it's the Jews as a nation, as a, as a people group, or as the church, he cares about his people. And he cares about the, the, the Jews' future, and he cares uh, as he does ours as well. And he wanted to make sure, as, in this chapter we're going to look at tonight, that as he rested on, after the creation account on the seventh day, God rested, and he gave this as a pattern for his people. Whether it was a Sabbath for the people, a Sabbath for the land, whether it was uh, a Sabbath for servants, or the canceling of debts, which we're going to look at tonight. We're so glad you can join us today for this edition of Truth in Christ Radio. Pastor Rob begins our study today in chapter 15 of the book of Deuteronomy. God gives instructions on his plan for debt cancellation, redemption of slaves, and rest for the land every seven years. God wanted his people to know that they could trust him for all they needed during that seventh year and to increase their faith in God alone for every year to come. Even though we are not held to this today, we can apply this concept to our lives as followers of Jesus Christ. Being born again, we learn to place our trust in our Savior, Jesus Christ, for all that we need. Let's join Pastor Rob with today's teaching. Let's look at uh, Deuteronomy chapter 15. You remember last week we looked at Deuteronomy chapter 14, where God was basically encouraging this this generation that was literally on the cusp of coming into the promised land. And remember, Moses is retelling the law. He's retelling them the things that he has already shown them in the past, okay? Their, their, their parents that had passed away in the wilderness those 40 years. And so Moses is now retelling that same thing just as a, as a reinforcement to tell them the great things that God did and the warnings and the troubles if we don't obey, right? And so he tells them this on, right before they are ready to enter into the promised land. And, and so chapter 14, he's encouraging them again just on the things uh, that they can eat and the things that they were not to eat, clean and unclean animals, And God is interested in everything that we put our hands to. He's interested in everything about our lives, from the things that we take into ourselves to the things that we think about. He cares about everything. It's not that he's just concerned about your soul only. God cares about your body. He cares about your mind. He cares about what you eat, what you don't eat. He cares about everything. And we ought to as well. And so he gives the children of Israel clean and unclean animals, the things that they should and should not eat. And, and we discussed that at length last time we were together. And he also, toward the end of that chapter, talks about tithing and giving the increase. And he's speaking to the children of Israel about them tithing the increase of their grain. And, and this was good for them. 
because it helped them to not, uh, not get into a place where they were greedy, uh, that they were helping the poor, and things of that nature. And so God really encouraged them in that to give of the increase, a tenth, which is healthy for us to do. And finally, we get into Deuteronomy chapter 15. And you know, as we get into this, you know, God cares for his people, whether it's the Jews as a nation, as a, as a people group, or as the church. He cares about his people. And he cares about the, the, the Jews' future, and he cares uh, as he does ours as well. And he wanted to make sure, as, in this chapter we're going to look at tonight, that as he rested on, after the creation account on the seventh day, God rested, and he gave this as a pattern for his people. And whether it was a Sabbath for the people, a Sabbath for the land, whether it was uh, a Sabbath for servants, or the canceling of debts, which we're going to look at tonight. He's talking about the Sabbath for the, for the people, the land, and the servants, and canceling of debts. And you may wonder, what is the purpose of this? And, and here are just a few possibilities of why God would give these things, you know, uh, having a Sabbath for the, the, the people, the land, servants, and canceling of debts, and this thing. One of the things in, in doing that and encouraging his people is, is that it would build a trust and faith in God. Because when we have to give or, or stop tilling the land after the sixth year, we have, to per, we have to trust God that he's going to provide for us the following year. That ground was supposed to lay fallow. And it was supposed to let you just let the thing grow, let the, let the, the vines flourish and the, the fruit to fall right on the ground and the ants and the bugs and the animals would come. And it's a good fertilizer, actually. It replenishes nutrients back in the land. It rejuvenates it. And it allows the land to sustain itself. And God knows this, right, because he's the creator. And so, but in the process of that, God is pointing a finger on the heart of man, saying, do you trust me for your next dinner? Do you trust me for where your food is going to come from? And it does. It requires trust and it requires faith, faith that God even gives you. And it also gives a rest for the land so that it can be rejuvenated. Turn with me to Leviticus chapter 25. We're just going to be looking at a couple of, a handful of things here. Leviticus chapter 25, and we're going to look at verses 1 through 7. Because, again, God is speaking of this idea of seven years. Uh, seven years. And we're going to look at just a handful of things, and we're going to see the purpose behind it. Because God cares, again, and he's trying to draw us out and to get us to trust in him and to have faith in him. And all of these things that we're going to read about tonight are, at the very least, to do that. And, and also, not only to build our trust in him, but to give rest for the land, that it could be rejuvenated. Look with me at Leviticus 25. We're just going to look at the first seven verses. It says, And the Lord spoke to Moses on Mount Sinai, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, and say to them, When you come into the land which I give you, then the land shall keep a Sabbath to the Lord. Six years you shall sow your field, and six years you shall prune your vineyard and gather its fruit. But notice, in the seventh year there shall be a Sabbath of solemn rest for the land. Notice, for the land. A Sabbath to the Lord. You shall neither sow nor field. I'm sorry, you shall neither sow your field nor prune your vineyard. And what grows, verse 5, of its own accord of your harvest, you shall not reap nor gather the grapes of your untended vine, for it is a year of rest for the land. And the Sabbath produce of the land shall be food for you, for you, 
your male and female servants, your hired man, and the stranger who dwells with you, for your livestock and the beasts that are in the field, in your land, and all its produce shall be for food. And so you're to let this land grow fallow for a year. And, and boy, what, what a, a thing that does into the heart of man, because, you know, we live in a uh, society, in a culture that really lacks faith in many, in many things. We, we don't trust in, um, I mean, you may trust in the Lord, but as a culture, we don't trust in God. We, we trust in, in God, we, or uh, in gold we trust. <laughs> we trust in what we have. And you know, God, even back here, was getting these people, his people, to say, do you trust me? If I give you a commandment to do, and by the way, this commandment was going to be for their own good too. Because one thing that, if you're a farmer, one thing you do know is if you keep tilling the land, you keep tilling the land and you don't give it a rest, that land is going to be depleted from the things that it needs to grow the fruit and the things, the grains and things of that nature. So God knows this. So he's not only caring for the land, but he's also testing and encouraging faith in his people, right? And so, so one of the things he's doing is he's, he's given a, a rest for the land so that it could be rejuvenated. He's also giving a rest not only to the land, but possessions um, and possessions uh, returning to their original owners and slaves or servants returning back to their lands. Turn with me to that we're in the same uh, chapter here. Just look with me at verse 8. It's speaking of the year of Jubilee, and we'll look at what that means. It says, And you shall count seven Sabbaths of years to yourself. Seven times seven years, and the time of the seven Sabbaths of years shall be to you 49 years. See, here's where we learn how to multiply. Seven times seven is 49. Amen? It's good for kids. It's good for us. Verse 9, Then you shall cause the trumpet of the Jubilee to sound on the tenth day of the seventh month. On the day of atonement, you shall make the trumpet to sound throughout all your land. You shall consecrate the fiftieth year and proclaim liberty throughout all the land to its inhabitants. Notice this, a liberty to the inhabitants. Because now it's not just about the land, because remember, at the end of that seventh year, there's still going to be letting the land grow fallow as well. But now there's uh, some other additional things that they're to do to proclaim liberty throughout all the land to all its inhabitants. It shall be a jubilee for you, and each of you, here it is, shall return to his possession, and each of you shall return to his family. So if you're a slave or a a servant, and you're serving somebody else at the end of that 49th year, um, you are to be set free and to return, return to your family. And there's reasons why that you might be a servant or even a slave in those lands back in, in, in the Jewish uh, economy. And we'll look at those perhaps a little bit later. He says, That 50th year shall be a jubilee to, you, jubilee to you. In it you shall neither sow nor reap what grows of its own accord, nor gather the grapes for your unintended, or I'm sorry, your untended vine, for it is the jubilee. It shall be holy to you, and you shall eat its produce from the field. In this year of Jubilee, each of you shall return to his possession. And if you sell anything to your neighbor, notice this, and if you sell anything to your neighbor or buy from your neighbor's hand, you shall not oppress one another. According to the number of years after the Jubilee, you shall buy from your neighbor, and according to the number of years of crops, he shall sell it to you. And according to the multitude of years, you shall increase its price. And according to the fewer number of years, you shall diminish its price, for he sells to you according to the number of the years of the crops. Therefore, you shall not oppress one another, but you shall fear the Lord your God, for I am the Lord your God. And the idea behind this, think about it. If, if, I'm, if I'm in the beginning of a, 
the Jubilee and I, and I sell something to you, I'm going to charge you more because I got 49 more years that that land is, it doesn't really belong to you. You're basically renting it for a certain amount of time. So I might give you the price of what I can expect to produce out of that land for 49 years. That's what I'm going to pay back the owner of that land, right? So even though I'm buying the land, it's only for a short period of time. It's only for 49 years, right? But at the end of that, I got to give it back. It goes back to the original owner. And if you think about that, and, and, and if I maybe in the middle of that 49 years, if I, if I get into the middle of that, say 20 years into before the Jubilee, I've got another 29 years. So you, you can imagine the price can be calculated if you estimate how much worth that crop gives every year. You can pretty much give an estimate of how much that person's going to have to pay. Does that make sense? It's sort of like the payment is graduated depending on where it is within the year of Jubilee that you um, buy the land, right? But it's always, it always goes back to the original owner. And why? Because God wanted to bless his people, and he wanted to keep their heritage intact. He wanted to keep their land their own. So now, you know, God, as he brings them into this land, uh, into the promised land, into the land of Canaan, and he divided all these different areas for them, he wanted those lands to be theirs forever for a perpetual thing. He wanted to give it to them, not to anybody else. And isn't it just like the devil, once God gives you something, now the devil's interested in it. If God didn't give it to you, you can pillage and plunder whatever you want. Nobody cares. But once God puts his name on something and says, I give this land to this people, it's the size of Rhode Island. Not very big. And yet today it's the most hotly contested piece of real estate in the world. In the world. (laughs) And so God puts his hand on it and the devil can't stand it. Right? That's why Jerusalem to this day is a cup of trembling. And every, every president, every American president has tried to uh, aff- accord some kind of peace deal with, in the Middle East. And they've all failed because they don't understand the complexity of it. They don't understand the hatred that is at the center of this. This is not about people so much as it is about a battle between God and Satan. Satan is no match for God. Satan is a created being. He's no match. God's ultimately going to win. We've read the end of the story. It's not a story. We've read the end of the account. This is going to happen. It belongs to him. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, right? It belongs to him. The land is mine, says the Lord, right? And so, in Leviticus 25 here, we see the, the seven-year uh, thing perpetuated in the, the Jubilee giving rest not only to the land and possessions returning back to their original owner, slaves or servants returning back to their lands. It's also a rest for man. Remember in Exodus chapter 20, it says, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all of your work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord. In it you shall do no work. You, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, or your female servant, your cattle, your stranger who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord created, he made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath, and he hallowed it. He hallowed it. And so God even gives rest to man. He gives rest to the land. He gives rest to the servants. He gives, he restores back lands and possessions back to the original owners. And he makes a Sabbath for man, a rest for him. 
Turn with me to Mark chapter 2, verse 23. This is a passage that we know well. Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath. In verse 23 of Mark chapter 2, it reads, Now it happened that he, Jesus, went through the grain fields on the Sabbath, and as he went through, his disciples began to pluck the heads of grain. And the Pharisees said to him, Look, why do they do what is not lawful on the Sabbath? But he said to them, Have you never read what David did when he was in need and hungry? He and those with him, how he went into the house of God in the days of Abiathar the high priest and ate the showbread, which is not lawful to eat except for the priest, and also gave some to those who were with him. And he said to them, here it is, the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. God made it for you. It's good for us to take a break. We live in a society and a culture where we just don't stop. There are people over in China and other parts in the Far East that they don't, they don't hold to any of this. They work nonstop every single day, and sometimes they're under such oppression and under fear of, such, uh, of losing their jobs that they will literally work over 10, 12, 13, 14 hours a day every single day, and they are wearing out. And many of them just are fried mentally, and they're just like, you know what, the only way out is for me to go out on my lunch break and jump over the edge, into the river, and they find bodies down the stream all the time. Everyone, you know, just so many people, just because they don't believe in the Sabbath. A man needs a break. Will you give yourself a break? <laughs> Do you have a day where you can just set aside and just spend time with the Lord? Or if you're like me, sometimes I, I have a, a day off and I'll fill it with other things that I can't do the other days. So it really is not a Sabbath at all, but I take my time in it. And it makes me feel like a Sabbath. Honestly, if we were to take this and really consider what, what the Lord is telling us and encouraging his people to do, to take a break, to really set aside and just cut off everything else, you know how much better we would be? How much better we'd feel? If we were to take that time to get in the Word, how much time, uh, how better we'd feel if we just really just soaked in the Word on that day, that we worshiped, that we got together with other believers that day if we did things unto the Lord that day, and rest and let your body get restored, let your mind get restored. Because Monday's coming, and you hit the ground running when the alarm goes off at 5.30, right? So take a break. God knows what he's doing. He made you. If he did it for the land, and he did it for, you know, these other things, it's important for, you, for us to listen. To take, and if you got a play, if you have a job where they give you two days off, praise the Lord, rest even more. You'd be much more productive on those other five days. But there was also a Sabbath release for Hebrew servants, and we'll look at this as we get down further into this chapter. But let's read through, uh, let's go back to Deuteronomy here, because what we just basically did is looked at some of the different ways in which God would use the seventh day, the Sabbath. And he would do it for man. He would do it for the land. And he would also do, he would uh, inform us about the Jubilee and how there ought to be a time of release for servants and a time of release for debts. And in fact, as we read this tonight, this first six verses of Deuteronomy 15, there's no other place in the Bible that this section is referred to because it talks about a canceling of debts. And so let's just read it. It says, At the end of every seven years... You shall grant a release of debts, and this is the form of the release. Every creditor shall release it. He shall not require of it of his neighbor or his brother. Now, these are Jews he's talking to, right? 
for if it's your neighbor, a Jew, or if it's your brother, don't um, uh, then then you need to release it because it is called the Lord's release. Now, notice of a foreigner, you may require it. So, if if, uh, if a Gentile has a a debt to give to a Jew, you know he can pay for it, you know, for twelve years, and that's okay. But to a Jew, to Jew, God says, I don't want you guys to do that. I don't want you guys getting stuck in being overtaxed and overburdened by debts. I want you guys to thrive. I want you to live, and I want you to forgive one another. And I tell you, there's something about these things that God put the Jews through that if we adhere to them in our country, we'd probably be a whole lot better for it in many ways. We'd learn sacrifice. We'd learn stewardship. We would learn forgiveness. And we probably wouldn't be as greedy and self-focused because we're, God is forcing them really to give, isn't he? He's encouraging them to give, even commanding it here, right? So he says, but you shall not give, but you shall give up your claim to what is owed by your brother, except when there may be no poor among you. For the Lord will greatly bless you in the land which the Lord your God has given you to possess as an inheritance, only if you care, carefully obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe with care all these commandments which I command you today. For the Lord your God will bless you just as he promised you. You shall lend to many nations, notice this, but you shall not borrow. Speaking to the Jewish people, you shall reign over many nations, but they shall not reign over you. Right? God is setting them up as his own special people. He's setting them up to be an example Let's go back to verse 1. It says, at the end of every seven years, you shall grant a release of debts. You know, in the United States, there is a public service loan forgiveness program for those who have student loans. And this is kind of funny because uh, it was just, I don't know, it was uh, about eight, how long ago was it? Seven years ago, I just paid off my student loan debt, and it took me quite a while to do it, my wife and I. And, uh, but this, 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 this debt program, I wonder if they get these ideas from the Bible because one of the things about this program is you can be give, forgiven your student loan debt after you have made 120 payments or have been paying for 10 years and also employed by a certain um, agency, whether it's a nonprofit or something like that. There's guidelines for those kinds of things. But even in our student loan debt, you know, you know there's provision for this even in our own country. And, and I wonder if whoever put this together was thinking about, or, or, or maybe our forefathers, somebody was thinking about that. And, and the idea is it's not good for somebody to be taxed by something so huge for so long a time. It just breaks the heart. You know, obviously you have to be a good steward and not over-exact yourself, because if you're not able to pay for it, you shouldn't be doing it, right? But there comes a point when you've been faithful in over 120 years, thank God there's that grace in this country, if you've been paying for 10 years and you've made 120 payments and you fulfill a couple other requirements, you can be forgiven the rest of your student loan debt. Wow. That's really great for lawyers and doctors. <laughs> but, so anyway, God is making this provision. And again, he wants his people to prosper. Because if they are taxed and overladen with debt and things of that nature, God is saying, will you, will you just give a release Give a release. And obviously, when you appropriate something like this or put this into place, you've got to think differently. And if you're taking out a loan, you want to be thinking differently. And if you're a lender, you want to be thinking about this kind of thing because you know that at the end of seven years, whatever's left, if he's a Hebrew, if he's a Jew and you're a Jew, you're required to, to, to forgive that debt. So you've got to be thinking about that, right? 
but it does. It requires thinking. It requires sacrifice. It requires living perhaps a little more frugally, a little more carefully. Notice verse 2, and this is the form of the release. Every creditor who has lent anything to his neighbor shall release it. Unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of Deuteronomy. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited format, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office for ordering details. And that number again is 585-586-3140. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, ministry and contact information, our location and service times, and much more. You can even download the radio and sanctuary messages in MP3 format free of charge from the resources link. You can also listen to these messages on your mobile device by going to Calvary Chapel of Rochester on Google Play or Apple Podcasts. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been... Truth in Christ.